And we clean our guns while we turn our cheese We're like angels and demons and dogs in heat So baby raise your glass but don't cut your teeth Just show your sweet tooth grin to everyone you meet Tell me what's this world that we're clinging to it's all for one, but none for two Pierce your skin with a heart tattoo And tell me what's this world that we're clinging to Good morning, good morning, good morning. Cable Smith welcoming everybody to the Lone Star Outdoor well, Show. Presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. There's a little band of heathens. What's this world? Kicking things off for us today. Hope you all had a great week. Uh, I'm so glad to be here with you talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies. And uh, we've got a great show lined up for you. But before we dive into today's broadcast, I do need to tell you, man, I am still on cloud nine as a father. My little man, Henry, shot his first animal Last weekend, we took a trip down to Coons Canyon Ranch in the Texas Hill Country, and he popped a black buck doe, just like we'd practice. Still got that left-hand uh, situation where he's he's right-handed, but he's left-eye dominant, so he's actually, I've got him pulling the trigger left-handed. Um, much to his credit, he passed up a couple shots because he just wasn't steady, and I think that showed a lot of maturity. It really impressed me. Because he was certainly anxious and, and wanting to have that moment to join the fraternity of hunters. And uh, finally, you know, I had him trying to just shoot off of the window of a blind. Eventually, I had to get him more steady. And we put the uh, Kofiager Reaper grip uh, and tripod in there. Um, really got him comfortable. And, of course, Dad just got the, the scope lined up in the general area of the feeder, and he was able to manipulate that once a herd of black buck doe came in. And when he pulled the trigger, I thought he'd missed. Uh, but you know what? This is a story for another show because I'll probably get Henry to come on and, and talk about what that was like uh, for him as a seven-year-old. And uh, he's still sm all smiles, and I know he's told every one of his friends, his entire baseball team about it. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, here's what we're going to do today, however. Uh, pour yourself another cup of coffee. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire because we're ready to rock and roll. And off the top, we'll be joined by Cody McLaughlin. He's the VP of the New Jersey Outdoor Alliance. Their governor, uh, Phil Murphy, I think is his name, is really taking it to a new level as far as dictatorship-like anti-hunting legislation. And it, by legislation, I mean there isn't any. He's just on a on a whim telling folks that they no longer have the right to go onto public land that the state of New Jersey owns. So the people of New Jersey own that land and hunt black bears. That's right. He has made it illegal to harvest black bear on state land. And he's done this through essentially an executive order. It's, uh, it's criminal and flat out flies in the face of science and conservation. And Cody has the numbers to back that up since the bear hunt has been canceled Human and bear interactions have gone through the roof. Bear sightings in urban areas have gone through the roof. Uh, it's a bad, bad deal. And uh, Cody will be here to talk 
all about that and what recourse they have moving forward to correct this uh, this gross overreach by their governor. Uh, then we will talk, <laughs> well, for those of us who have deer feeders, the term trash panda is something we are very familiar with. Uh, but those pesky raccoons, you got to respect them. Those critters are smart and resourceful, but they will decimate a corn or protein feeder in just a couple nights. They knock so much corn on the ground, it cost hunters a ton of money. But uh, Chuck Wilson of Coonstopper has created a product that I believe is the absolute remedy for that problem. And so Chuck will be here to talk about the development, the trial and error phase, the feedback he's gotten from customers, and uh, and some of the video evidence that proves raccoons want nothing to do with this device. I've actually got one on my feeder in Clay County. Haven't had a single raccoon <laughs> try to get up that all-seasons uh, feeder leg since I installed it. Well, actually, you know, they did one time, and then they're like, hell, what is this? I don't want any part of that. It hurts. Uh, so... We're going to get into the Coonstopper coming up here in just a bit. Uh, that's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Some uh, educational stuff on the docket for sure. Let's do, a, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got the Vortex Nation t-shirt, the Texas edition. Uh, if you're not from Texas, I don't want to dissuade you from entering today's giveaway because I have a bunch of other Vortex shirts as well. And uh, we'll throw in a Vortex cap to today's winner to enter today's Vortex Optics giveaway, just uh, email the word, let's say, we don't want to say coon in today's climate, right? Uh, let's say a raccoon or trash panda. You can email the word trash panda to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. We'll get you entered into today's giveaway. Uh, let's take a quick break. Up next, we're talking black bears with Cody McLaughlin of the New Jersey Outdoor Alliance. Lone Star Outdoor Show. British Columbia is world-renowned for its beauty and wildlife, and Vancouver Island is revered as a magical place by hunters. Vancouver Island Coastal Bear Adventures specializes in taking mature trophy black bears with 18-inch minimum skulls in the 6.5 to 7.5-year range. They also have Roosevelt elk tags and only take Boone and Crockett bulls each fall. 60% of their guiding area is located on private land. So whether you're looking for a Boone or black bear, once-in-a-lifetime Roosevelt elk, or a giant cougar, they've got the hunt for you. Visit VancouverIslandBearHunt.com to book your hunt today. That's VancouverIslandBearHunt.com. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't Take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat Machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. Now what do you do when you're lonesome? Where do you go when you're blue? 
ocean when you just that's music of Justin Towns Earl. What do you do when you're lonesome? Bringing us back on a Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here with you today. Thanks for dropping by. I do appreciate it. Also want to thank Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris, our longtime presenting sponsors. Now we're actually about to head up to New Jersey. I was about to say the great state of New Jersey, but uh, I've never been to New Jersey. Don't know if it's great or not. It certainly doesn't have a great governor, I'll tell you that much, as Phil Murphy has proven time and time again that one of his main goals is to end all hunting in Pennsylvania, and he's recently done a a great job, if you're in his camp, of doing just that through basically an executive order preventing the harvest of black bear on state lands. Why is that a big deal? Well, When you talk about a state as small as New Jersey, well, state land is a vital part of hunting culture because there's just not a lot of places to go. But they have an amazing black bear resource. And joining us momentarily will be Cody McLaughlin. He's the VP of the New Jersey Outdoor Alliance because we're going to dive into this issue uh, a lot deeper. I just, I don't understand how a governor can override Uh, the state wildlife agency that is funded to make these decisions on wildlife management. Uh, So we'll get into that momentarily. This segment, though, brought to you by First Light and the Guide Light Short. I've been living in these things this summer. Uh, Recently, well, last weekend, Henry and I went down to Coons Canyon Ranch. Each of us shot a black buck, and I didn't take those shorts off all weekend. I mean, other than to sleep and uh, take a dip in the Pila pool. But yeah, they're comfortable. They keep you cool on a hot summer day. And it was hotter than hell. Temperatures over 100 degrees every day. Uh, so I highly recommend them. Rugged. Uh, they're not going to tear up. Or, you know, there's cactus everywhere down there. And uh, they uh, they stand up. Check it out. It's the Guide Light Short. You can find it at firstlight.com. First Light, go further. Stay longer. All right, let's bring him on right now. Our first guest today. VP of the New Jersey Outdoor Alliance, Cody McLaughlin. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Cable. It's my pleasure. So how are things up in your neck of the woods in New Jersey? Well, uh, you know, New Jersey's, uh, uh, from a from a coronavirus standpoint, is uh, is getting a little better. But uh, our governor is still doing everything he can to uh, to stop sportsmen in the state from enjoying uh, all the all the things we love. So um, that's uh, that's you know, the number one thing on our plate at the moment. Yeah. Luckily, well, (laughs) we're kind of going the opposite direction in Texas. Our cases are going up, but uh, our governor said, hey, go hunting and fishing. That's that's legal to do even during the lockdown. Go do it by all means. So uh, I know I certainly have taken advantage of that quite a bit during the pandemic. Not much else to do. And nothing I'd rather. Yeah, just to give you a good uh, good idea of how different our governors are. Um, right at the beginning of our uh, crisis, when uh, when our cases were still going up, he banned outdoor activity. Um, you know, banned access to parks and forests right in the middle of the turkey season. Wow. Um, and uh, that was a that was actually a big fight that we had with him, huh. where we got a lot of bar- bipartisan support to reopen those. Hmm. Yeah. Well, your state has been in the hunting conservation headlines a lot over the past year, 18 months or so. And 
I first remember seeing Sportsman's Alliance reporting on a possible black bear ban. Oh, I don't know if it was, what, 15 months or so ago. So tell us a little bit about the history of, of what's going on there, and then we'll we'll gradually get to where we are today. Sure. So uh, about two years ago now, uh, in August of 2018, um, Governor Murphy of New Jersey instituted ex- Executive Order 334, which banned um, black bear hunting on all state lands uh, and state-owned lands um, in the state of New Jersey. So wildlife management areas, state forests, state parks, et cetera. Um, So uh, my organization, the New Jersey Outdoor Alliance, partnered with um, the Sportsman's Alliance and Safari Club International to try and put a stop to this. This ban was completely arbitrary and capricious. I mean, this was this was a something that he had promised to his anti-hunting element, um, you know, during his 2017 run for governor, and it was something that he realized because of the structure of the Fish and Wildlife Council in New Jersey um, that he couldn't legally um, actually institute. So he went with the next best option and, and banned half the land uh, in the state of New Jersey um, to yeah. hunters. And, you know, it was just, it was a crazy overstep on his part because hunters are the ones who pay for that land anyway. You know, 60% of the funding of the New Jersey Division of Fish and Wildlife comes from hunting, fishing, and trapping licenses. Yeah. Um, and other Pittman Robertson funds. And, you know, I mean, from deer permits alone, they get uh, $6.6 million every year. Um, so, you know, it's just something that we're, that was, that we, we weren't ready to stand for. We're not standing for now. And, you know, we, so we've been enthralled in a lawsuit with him ever since. I mean, this sounds quite dictator-like, you know, like Trudeau up in Canada trying to take everyone's guns away, which that's not my opinion. That's what he's actually doing through, you know, executive order type mandates, which is a complete overstep. I mean, uh, people can assume they know his political party affiliation and they'd be correct if talking about Phil, Governor Dum Dum here. If he had it his way, he'd just ban all black bear hunting. Is that what he actually tried to do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he tried several times uh, with his legal team. So uh, a little bit of background on that. So uh, New Jersey um, uh, actually is has has a very interesting model here. So we, ha- we have the constitutionally most powerful governor in America. Huh. He has line item veto authority and, and a bunch of other things that, you know, he doesn't have in other states, control over the attorney general's office, et cetera. Um, the funny part is that we also have the most powerful Fish and Wildlife Council in the country. Hmm. Um, so this is a council that's elected by um, by sportsmen and farmer representatives from the um, better uh, the Farm Bureau in uh, in the state. And, Who better to uphold um, your interests, right? Right, and uh, and the. Uh, and the, and then there's uh, sportsmen representatives that are elected by the um, New Jersey State Federation of Sportsmen's Clubs, who are then uh, it's kind of like a reverse um, uh, Senate. Uh, uh, it's kind of like a reverse Senate approval, if you will, mm-hmm. where we elect them, then they get approved by the governor's office. So we got our last ones elect or approved, and they serve four-year terms. So we um, or until they are replaced. Um, so we uh, we got a few in right before the new governorship started, um, 
And, you know, we've, we've got a really friendly Fish and Wildlife Council, and, you know, they're not paid, but they're very powerful um, because they make all the fish and game codes and everything like that in the state. Um, so without legislative uh, action, he has no power to stop bear hunting in the state. That's the good news. Um, the bad news is that he has taken this um, this step, which we think is way overstepped his bounds as governor, mm-hmm. um, and banned hunting on state land. Um, and, you know, I mean, his arguments fall apart whenever you take into account any of the any of the facts involved. One of the number one things that he cited in his executive order was public safety. But um, two years after the uh, after the ban, after taking away 50 percent of um, of available land to hunters and then um, seeing record low harvest two years in a row. Um, well, yeah, so there's still up. private land hunting enough. There's still private land bear hunting. Yeah, there's still private land hunting. The, the, New Jersey is a very small state. I don't imagine that there's a lot of private land opportunity. No, no. I mean, it's literally about 40 to 50 percent of the land um, that we're available to hunt is um, that that's available to mm-hmm. hunt. You know, now not you're not always going to get permission. Yeah. Very difficult. That's why we've seen record low harvest two years in a row after this after this ban was instituted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Um, the uh, the Division of Fish and Wildlife released their um, their complaints um, for their complaint numbers for bears this year, and sightings are up ninety three percent, complaints are up forty percent, uh, category one dangerous bears are up fifteen percent, home entries are have doubled over the past year. Huh. Um, you know, by every by every conceivable metric that you would measure public safety in relation to bears, um, the governor has failed to keep the public safe by not managing the resource, which we have been saying was going to happen for two years. And here we are, the chickens or the bears in this case are coming home to roost. Well, increasing bear and human interaction is never a good thing. Uh, so I keep hearing Bill Ingvall's voice in the back of my head saying, here's your sign in relation to your governor. What a moron. Um, we do need to uh, take a quick break. Still a lot more to get into. I want to find out what or if any recourse you guys have as far as reversing the governor's gross overreach on the uh, black bear hunting on public land, a state owned land in New Jersey. Are you cool to stick around for a few more minutes? For sure. Excellent. And uh, that segment, by the way, was brought to you by all seasons feeders and blinds. You know, I was driving around the deer lease with Henry and the girls last week. We came across one of my lease mates, deer blinds that had been blown over. And unfortunately for him, um, he had, built it himself and I was thinking man should have just gotten in all seasons that's the third time that thing had blown over and this time it's not coming back I mean it was absolutely destroyed the winds in Clay County can be quite violent sometimes uh, but if you get yourself a big chingone or a little chingone it's not going anywhere that's what I did check it out all seasons feeders you can find their entire lineup of feeders and blinds right there at allseasonsfeeders.com We'll be right back with more from Cody McLaughlin of the New Jersey Outdoor Alliance on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Let the bad times roll. Just let them all go. Don't like the wind blowing tumbleweeds from Odessa to El Paso. Let the bad times roll off your shoulders. I know you can roll on, brother, and don't look. Bye.
Hey guys, Cable here for Hunter's Box Club. This month, July, I've partnered up with them and they are offering a limited edition. You can only get it through Hunter's Box Club, but a limited edition Lone Star Outdoor Show t-shirt. It's actually a cartoon that humorist Tim Spike Davis drew for me years back. But you can't get this shirt anywhere else. Plus, it comes with a European mount wall hanger and one to three items every month, hunting-related items only in Hunter's Box Club. But you can't get this shirt anywhere unless you order. And here's the cool thing. $4.99, that's all you're going to pay for the first month. That's just the shipping. You're going to get the limited edition t-shirt and uh, whatever other hunting-related goodies are in the box this month for free. You can cancel at any time. No strings attached. So get your limited edition Lone Star Outdoor Show t-shirt. It's me in the studio sitting across from a huge buck and uh it says i say so where do you see yourself this fall and his reply hopefully not on your wall uh it's a great cartoon and you can't get it anywhere else check it out hunter's box club 4.99 cancel at any time when you use my promo code which is just lone star that's lone star when you check out at huntersboxclub.com Hey guys, Cable here for Coon Stopper. If you're tired of losing corn or protein to those pesky raccoons, well, here's your solution. If you're running a traditional feeder that has, you know, those long legs that coons like to climb up, rob you blind, well, you just attach the Coon Stopper to each leg. It's so easy. I just put one on a 300-pound all-seasons feeder, and <laughs> the results speak for themselves. Coons don't like it. They basically attempt one time, realize that it hurts, and they're done. Throw in the towel, just like that. It's the Coon Stopper, and you can find it at alamooutdoorworld.com. Dallas Off-Road is North Texas' trusted 4x4 shop, specializing in lifts, wheels, tires, exterior upgrades, and gears and drivetrains. I recently took my factory Z71 Silverado into Dallas Off-Road, and they handed me back a lifted beast of a truck that will get me around the deer lease or just as easily tackle a perilous mountain road on my way to a backcountry elk hunt. Dallas Off-Road owner Jeff Swope is an avid hunter and gun enthusiast, so you'll have a lot to discuss when you swing by the shop or give them a call. Visit DallasOffRoad.com for all your truck or Jeep customization needs. Johnny Lee bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by today as we are still visiting with Cody McLaughlin of the New Jersey Outdoor Alliance. And thanks to uh, our friend Sportsman's Alliance for hooking us up. He is kind of their liaison or point of contact for all things New Jersey hunting and outdoor regulation related stuff. Uh, we're going to pick it back up with Cody here in a second. However, this segment is brought to you by Vortex Wear. And, of course, I'm talking about Vortex Optics and their great line of apparel, which if you haven't seen their lineup lately, Vortex, I mean, they've long made great T-shirts, hoodies, caps, but they've recently taken it a step further. Now they've got tactical gear, um, casual button-up shirts, uh, in addition to their ever-changing line of T-shirts. That's that's my go-to. I love 
what Vortex does with their t-shirts. Um, so unapologetic, right? And uh, you can find the entire lineup at vortexoptics.com. And get this, you'll save 20% off all Vortex apparel when you use my promo code LONESTAR20. That's LONESTAR20 when you check out at vortexoptics.com. With that being said, um, let's pick it back up with Cody McLaughlin of the New Jersey Outdoor Alliance. And Cody, I guess the next thing that I want to ask you is what recourse do New Jersey sportsmen and women have as far as, I don't know, uh, suing your governor or taking some kind of legal action to try to overturn Governor Murphy's totalitarian-like decision on New Jersey black bear hunting? Right. So we took um, this case first to uh, Superior Court in New Jersey, um, and basically the, they basically punted it to the Supreme Court of the state, saying that neither side really had quite enough evidence. They told us we had strong arguments, uh, especially on the arbitrary and capricious um, standpoint, but uh, they needed to see more evidence, and they basically kicked us to another judge. Mm-hmm. So um, we are coming up on our court case on September 21st. Um, where we'll be talking about, you know, obviously all of these, uh, all these interactions with, with bears and stuff. And, you know, it's over the past year or so, it's just been the same, the same thing that this governor has done with every, with every lawsuit that his administration has been in with, um, with stakeholder groups in the state. Um, his, his administration is notorious for slow rolling document releases and doing every, everything that they can to bankrupt small smaller organizations that are trying to sue for justice um, in in this state. Hmm. What has the backlash been like from New Jersey citizens, if there has been any? So, like uh, obviously, sportsmen and women are pissed about this, but does the general population even care? Are they even aware of what's going on? Uh, so here's the funny part is uh, the um, so the the northwestern part of the state is has always been where the bears are right uh-huh. and the nor- the people who live in the northwestern part of the state um, you know as a result of being these bears neighbors and stuff are you know have always supported the hunt because they know that you know these bears are coming into their you know that's that's where the majority of these home entries happen you know <laughs> they're they're destroying people's bird feeders and garbage cans and, you know, walking around their neighborhoods and stuff. And, you know, these, these people have kids playing outside and stuff, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so uh, Northwestern citizens have always kind of had this running joke that, um, that the rest of the state, you know, isn't going to understand until the bears start moving South. Well, this year we've had a record number of bears move South <laughs> huh. as a result of the population boom. And now you're starting to see, um, I mean, we're getting calls uh, from from private, you know, regular Joe citizens at NJOA, the outdoor alliance. Um, so you can imagine how many are going to the state supporting um, the bear hunt now because, you know, the people in South Jersey, especially farmers and stuff, are realizing, you know, but we have a huge blackberry, or I'm sorry, blueberry and cranberry crop in uh, South Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually blueberry capital of the world and stuff. Um, and you know, those farmers are scared to death. That, so the that blueberries I get in Texas possibly came from New Jersey? Oh, yeah. Huh. yeah I never knew that. A lot of blueberries. We like blueberries. My kids love them. I mean, they eat the crap out of them. That's interesting. Did not yeah, know that. They're actually, they're actually native to New Jersey. Huh. Well, and then, of course, bears like to eat berries, so 
there's your there's a problem for the oh, farmers. So those those blueberry farmers are like scared to death that they're gonna that they're uh, that these bears that are moving south are gonna are gonna ravage um, their their fields. You know. We have feral um, hogs, but the difference is we can shoot them just on site anytime, no restrictions, no limit, night, day, doesn't matter. Uh, can't really do that with bears. Right. Yeah. Right. So you know these guys have no recourse, and um, and you know they're starting to you know the rest is starting to wake up to the fact that you're not supposed to be seeing bears in southern counties walking down the middle of the street during the day. You know, like yeah. bears and bears. You know, are native to the to the entire state, right? But they belong in wooded areas. And what happens when when there's not enough um, you know uh, available habitat to be split up from a territory standpoint between these bears is that the bigger Bruins are staying in a, you know, or staking their claim on their areas and they're kicking out these little guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're starting to see a lot of yearling, you know, um, two, 300 pound bears, um, which are still huge, <laughs> you, know, yeah. uh, you know, roaming all around um, very populated areas where kids are outside playing and, you know, uh, people's pets in New York and stuff like that. Now, do your bears, uh, um, do, do the, your New Jersey bears hibernate? I was reading something, somebody pointed me to a link where they might not hibernate up there. And you know, like Florida, that's why they get yes. so big. And then the Carolinas, places where it stays warmer, bears don't hibernate. They just eat all year round. Um, what about Shaw's bears? Right, they den, they den up a little bit, but they don't truly hibernate here. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And, um, and yeah, we certainly do have huge bears. And the other part of that is the power feeding. We have the most dense population of two animals in, in New Jersey, human beings and bears. Huh. Um, so <laughs> with that comes an added problem that, that most people really don't realize um, in that bears have there, – there's no square inch of space in New Jersey where bears don't have abundant food in the form of trash cans and um, – dumpsters and things of that nature mm-hmm. and so as a result our bears get power fed and they get huge here i mean the world archery record from pope and young just came out of new jersey about this past year how big uh, i think it was uh i don't know how many points it was um but it was a 750 pound bear dressed out <laughs> black God. bear that's that's as big as a grizzly yeah that's incredible <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Um, and that's not, I mean, I think the, the heaviest one that was killed in New Jersey was like 849 pounds two years ago. Goodness gracious. Um, I think I might yeah. have seen a picture I mean, of that one. That's just insane. Yeah. I mean, that's how big these, these bears get. Um, and, you know, bear, black bears aren't supposed to get that big. No. You know? No. I've um, got a nice one. Uh, 18 and three quarter inch skull. And he weighed about 400 pounds, and I shot him in Alberta. And that's a big bear, and you're talking about ones that are twice the size of that thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about massive, massive bears here. You know, I'm pretty sure that the uh, that the skull score was like 23 and 23 and an eighth inch or something, something oh like God. that. Um, yeah, but I mean, you're talking about black bears that would contend with most grizzly bears. Mm-hmm. You know. Wow. So moving forward, um, w- w- tell me again where this is legally uh, and how you see this playing out. And just like I said, going back to Phil, uh, what is it? Phil Murphy is his name. Mm-hmm. Just complete dictator. And go- do you know who it is? Is it uh, individuals or 
a uh, organization or organizations that are lining his pockets? Yeah, well, it's organizations, you know, uh, and all the usual suspects. Humane Society, the League of Humane Voters uh-huh. here in New Jersey is a very vocal one. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's actually a group called the Bear Group that, you know, thinks that thinks that if people stop throwing away trash, basically, that, you know, that bears will stop coming around. And, you know, great. If we somehow eliminated trash tomorrow, you're right. Um, <laughs> bears wouldn't have any trash cans to destroy. Mm-hmm. Um, what are these tree huggers going to just know, stop creating garbage all of a sudden? I mean, like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, even... Uh, yeah, it just, it just makes zero sense, you know? And when you confront them with the facts, you know, they're they're stone silent on it. We challenged into debates before. Um, we had a debate on the local Fox channel between the Sierra Club uh, and myself on this issue. And, you know, I mean, they throw out their, their false has statistics, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, uh, and and it's a lot of anecdotal evidence too. Like Jeff Tittle, the executive director of the Sierra Club in New Jersey, um, goes on TV all the time and says that, oh, I haven't seen a bear in my yard this year. And it's like, well, Jeff, sightings are up 93%. Okay. So first of all, you're not supposed to see bears in your yard. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not where they belong. <laughs> um, and uh, even if you didn't, you know, twice as many people did this year as they did last year. So. <laughs> Yeah. So why why should we base all of public policy on whether you see a bear in your yard every year? Exactly, and I have so much disdain for the Sierra Club. Don't even get me started. They're the ones that are large, largely behind the uh, wolf reintroduction effort in Colorado, um, the, the Rocky Mountain oh, yeah. chapter there. But um, one other interesting note here in the report you sent me: eighty percent of bears survive to adulthood in New Jersey. That seems like a very high number. Maybe to the casual listener, listener that that doesn't seem very high, but you think about eighty percent of any species reaching adulthood, um, that's a very high recruitment success rate. Yeah, well, um, take that into consideration with with all the other informa- information, right? So, here's a couple fast facts about black bears in New Jersey. So not only do we have the biggest bears on average and the densest population already, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we also have um, our bears breed at twice the rate of other states. So most most bears, most your average black bear in Alberta, or North Carolina, what, where have you, um, is going to breed at about one to two cubs in every two-year breeding cycle. Our bears in New Jersey are pushing out three and four cubs every two years, okay? Mm. Breeding at twice the rate of other states. Eighty percent of those bears are going to um, reach adulthood, and on our best year of the hunt, we killed five hundred and fifty bears or something, um, hmm. which was not our quota, by the way. We've never actually hit hunting quota, um, but it was working because um, complaints were going down every year that the hunt was going on. Um, so the um, so on, but our best year on the hunt, twice as many bears were born that year as were killed in the hunt. Wow. Wow. So <laughs> yeah. it's still not, it's like going back to our feral hog deal. I mean, like we, we just, there's nothing we can do. Uh, but you guys were yeah, at least I mean, trying and is, so that bears are, bears are smart, right? So when you're, when you're, when you're keeping hunting pressure on the bears, right? Like we saw for the first five years of the hunt, um, they're staying largely more and more out of human areas. When you take away all of that land that, you know, that they're being hunted on, um, and you're 
seeing less and less hunters in the woods because they can't get permission and whatnot. And you're seeing these record low bear harvests. All of a sudden, bears literally out of the woodwork again, and sightings explode. You know, more than double this year. Again, 40 percent uh, increase in complaints, 15 percent increase in uh, category one dangerous bear complaints. Uh, and you know, we're seeing double home entry, twice as many home entries this year as last year. Um, so, I mean, just really dangerous stuff. So, you, you hate to say this, but maybe this is the reality. Maybe it's going to take someone getting mauled to death before the animal rights activists wake up because and we right had, now they're putting, a, uh, they're putting animal life over human life. And that's right. just absolute, you know, it's, well, and they're it's idiotic, man. Uh, they're never gonna, they're never gonna wake up. So we, uh, we actually have had uh, a mauling here, a, a Rucker student in 2015 was killed by a black bear um, oh, wow. in the Newark watershed. And they still and, are doing this. Um, this is amazing. Wow. Oh yeah. Because they, they don't care. You know what they did? I, they go on social media all the time and blame the blame the hiker. They said that he was, uh, uh, I don't know, like they they thought he got too close or something like that. And we had we actually recently had um, a bear, an aggressive bear, on a trail with a with a hiker, um, like I mean, ten feet from them. It, and it was the video went viral. Um, so people are starting to wake up to the fact that like hiking is not safe in New Jersey. I mean, camping isn't even allowed right now in the state. Right. Mm -hmm. So think about this. The whole spring camping season, no campers have been in the woods in New Jersey. Um, and our sightings are still our sightings and complaints are still up that much. Right. You know what a huge driver of bear complaints is? Camping. Hmm. So when when camping reopens in the state, uh, I can only imagine how much more it's going to explode. So if anything, coronavirus is, has dampened the effect of how much. Uh, this bear problem is going to become a problem in the state. Hmm. Well, interesting stuff, and uh, I look forward to continuing to follow this story. I don't. When is uh, Governor Moron's term up? We can get him out of there. Twenty twenty one. So okay. uh, we're we're gearing up big time um, to, and and you know to uh, to the credit of all the sports people in the state of New Jersey, um, we've seen a huge outpouring of support from them. Fishermen, hunters, trappers all around the state are waking up to the fact that we can't survive another four years with with Governor Murphy. Um, you know, otherwise we're we're going to go the way that California is going. You know, with banning trapping and and everything else. So. Um, oh yeah, and then you're going to have so to be paying for it on your own dime. As it's it's moronic because the sportsmen will be. Are you going to hundred thousand dollars a year to go trap coons when you know? Yeah. When, when some you know. Guess what? Guess what happens to those mountain lions in California? They get thrown in a ditch, and they don't ever report on it. When the trappers sign their contract, they're not allowed to ever take pictures or do anything else because they don't want it to get out there. Uh, so, right. yeah, it's a great time to be a trapper in California or Washington and places where uh, you know we've seen the same thing as a result of poor um, decisions made by elected officials that always come from the same party, surprisingly. I don't know. There's uh, <laughs> It is what it is. We'll call a spade a spade on this show. No doubt about that. Uh, well, hey, I certainly appreciate you coming on, Cody. Uh, if you do want to give us the New Jersey Outdoor Alliance website, I'm sure that you guys are, are posting updates um, as they uh, come across the desk here. Sure thing. Uh, so you can check us out at www.njoutdooralliance.org. 
Uh, you can find us on Facebook at NJOA, and you can find us on Twitter at NJ Sportsman. That's Sportsman with an E. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And I do want to say, you know, some of our listeners, a lot of them probably have never been to New Jersey, and some of them are thinking, why do we care what's going on in New Jersey? Uh, but I will always take the stance that what happens at, in anywhere in our country is relevant to all sportsmen because if they see that they can do it in New Jersey, what's the, what's going to stop them from doing it in, in Georgia or Montana or Texas? You know, it's uh, if, if they feel like well, they can kick the door in just a little bit, what's what's to yep. stop them from pushing it in, kicking it in completely? You know, and then we have no one to blame I but ourselves. All the time, so. Yeah. Uh, so New York um, institute, or tried to institute a ban on hunting contests last year, yeah. and at the same time, you know, we had a similar controversy here over a squirrel hunt, uh, where the antis went all up in arms because we were hunting squirrels. Of course. Um, and yeah, I mean, they were calling <laughs> kids murderers and stuff. Um, it was disgusting. Yeah. Um, they were they were accusing us of raising squirrels in farms. Um, but the uh, you know the the thing is though that. They took that legislation that was in New York City or New York State, and they they just moved it south. They they proposed the same exact legislation, boilerplate language, in in the new legislature, and they'll continue doing that nationwide. I'm pretty sure that they had a you know uh, a proposed ban on uh, wildlife hunting contests in a number of states last year. New so that's Mexico why we have for sure. He's back wherever they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, good stuff, Cody. I appreciate it. And uh, like I said. We will continue to follow this story uh, closely and, and hopefully get this gross overreach by uh, your governor overturned in the near future. 100%. Thanks, Cable. Okie dokie. So there you have the latest from the state of New Jersey as animal rights activist acting in this case in the form of New Jersey's governor continue to try to put the squeeze on the hunting and conservation community. That segment of the show brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. Land is the one thing they're not making any more of, but we all want it. So if you're ready to take the next step, make that dream your reality, then give Lone Star Ag Credit a shout. They've been doing this for over 100 years. They'd love to help you make that dream a reality. You can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. Up next, we will be joined by Chuck Wilson of Alamo Outdoor World. And, uh, you know, raccoons have long been the nemesis of southern deer hunters. And Chuck recently came up with a remedy to protect your investment and keep that yellow gold, that protein, out of the mouths of those trash pandas. We discuss next, right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. game we all play, but you need to save something for rainy day. You've got to learn to play your cards right. Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. Hey, this is Troy Landry from Swamp People, and thanks for listening to the Long Star Outdoor Show. Well, you get down the fiddle and you get down the bow, kick off your shoes and you throw them on the floor, dance in the kitchen till the morning light, Louisiana Saturday night. 
Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Mel McDaniel, Louisiana, Saturday night. One of my all-time favorites there. And I recently introduced the kiddos to old Mel. Uh, Baby's Got a Blue Jeans On and Louisiana, Saturday night are now two of the most requested tunes in the truck, which I think is a good thing. Um, anyway, thanks for being here. Thanks to Lone Star Beer, our longtime presenting sponsor. And this segment, by the way, is brought to you by Lone Star Beer's new Rio Jade Mexican-style lager. Enjoy it with or without a lime. It pairs well with any Tex-Mex or authentic Mexican-style cuisine. It's the Rio Jade from Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Well, let's go ahead and get into our next topic of discussion. And it's certainly one that most deer hunters are familiar with, save maybe for the ones who only hunt public land. But if you hunt anywhere with a feeder where you are investing money to grow big bucks, to keep does well-fed so that they can produce healthy fawns, well, all that stuff is cheap. Or or maybe you just feed to keep the animals on your property, right? I mean, that's okay too. But whatever the case, that's expensive. And we keep going as hunters head-to-head with raccoons. I mean, they steal, I don't know how much corn, uh, or protein, but I'd imagine a good percentage of all of the corn or protein bought by hunters somehow ends up in the belly of a raccoon. They're smart, they're resilient, and uh, they're sneaky, which I give them all the credit in the world for. Cool little animals, but a deer hunter's nemesis. And so joining us now is our friend Chuck Wilson, the inventor of a product I think you're going to want to know about. And so to tell us all about the Coon Stopper, Chuck, thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm glad glad to be here with you. Yeah, my pleasure. So um, first of all, how are things in your part of the world? I'm, I'm sure the Axis rut should be heating up here right about now. Yes. Yep. Very excited about that. It's uh, hotter than heck and we could use some rain, but other than that, everything's great in the deer world. Yeah. We were down around uh, Rock Springs this past weekend. My son shot a, a black buck doe, his first animal that he's ever shot, and we could we heard the axis just firing up all over the place. It was a always a good time to be in the hill country when they're rutting. Oh yeah, that's awesome. How how old's your son? Uh, he's seven. Yeah. So, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, quarantine has given us the opportunity to spend a lot of time practicing and. He had mentioned he wanted to shoot a white-tailed doe this season, and we just sped up the process because we've had so much free time. So, <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, I uh, live in Livingston, Texas, kind of southeast Texas in the pine trees. Uh, Which up. there are no axis deer, by the way, there, but you, you hunt, you have a ranch more towards the hill country, right? Yes, yes. We we grew up, grew up in Livingston, Texas. We've hunted the same deer lease there. Since my grandfather put that lease together in 1949, and we still have that land to this day, oh, wow. it's all owned by the timber company. So we we lease and hunt that land, and and always have. And I guess I don't know. In my early teens, uh, my grandfather started hunting North Texas, and then ultimately ended up down in South Texas, kind of in the mid 80s, mm-hmm. and bounced around out there for a while in the hill country and different leases around. And so pretty much hunted all over Texas. Uh, you know, over the last 30 some odd years and uh, re- really, really like the uh, the different options that you can hunt in Texas, especially then once I got into exotics and uh, axis and things of that nature, it was, uh, 
year-round fun you know what i mean it, it wasn't just wasn't just isolated to a couple of months a year and that's that's pretty 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 cool oh no doubt we're uh we've got something coming up uh sometime this fall we're going to do an axis hunt so looking forward to that um a little bit about you just from what i know in our conversations you're a fidgeter you try to take something and make it better and those type of people you know they're, they're creative and in your case, you're kind of an, an in, inventor and innovator when it comes to useful outdoor products. And we're going to talk about one specifically, which is kind of a um, a, um, a leg of Alamo Outdoor World, which is basically your, the parent company here. So before we talk about Coonstopper, give us the lowdown on what exactly Alamo Outdoor World is. So Alamo uh, started as a feed store. I purchased a feed store that I had worked at as a kid. That's some pretty neat history that you actually worked there. Yeah, I worked there as a kid and I, I uh, the, the gentleman that owned it passed away and I purchased it from his wife. Really and truly, I didn't didn't need a feed store. I was pretty busy in the construction world, but mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, I, I just, I have a real passion for these little feed stores all over, all over the country. So I bought it and uh, put a manager in there and we kind of turned it into a we named it Alamo Outdoor World because we wanted to take it more from farm and ranch, kind of lean it towards the hunting industry a little bit as far as mm-hmm. products go. And uh was way underestimated the uh, how tough that was going to be to have a brick-and-mortar store and, and make a living at it. So we slowly started implementing new things. We put in a deer processing facility. Uh, we brought in a taxidermist, uh, put him a building in, and, and then – then that's kind of when the ranch came to play. We, we, you know, obviously hunted our whole lives and had taken people hunting uh, in the past, but uh, never as an outfitter type scenario. So we kind of took Alamo Outdoor World into the hunting world uh, with the ranch we uh, had out in Junction, Texas, out in the hill country. Mm-hmm. And Went through Junction on the way to Rock Springs, so of course. No, well, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, beautiful and part of the world. So that's kind of where Alamo Outdoor World uh, started. Uh, from a feed store into a hunting ranch, uh, and then uh, you know owning a hunting ranch and feed being one of the most expensive parts of running a, a deer operation uh, is being my fidgeting part of me. <laughs> came up with the uh, with the product we're talking about, but Alamo got it started as a, as a feed store and 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 led into what it is now. Uh huh. And so let's talk about Coonstopper, which is your invention essentially. Um, how long? I mean, obviously you're you're getting pounded by these by these coons. They're they're cutting into your bottom line. You know, they're who knows how many pounds of feed they're eating. But the problem is, is they can get to the spinner and a lot of feeders, put more corn on the ground. So I imagine there was probably a few things that you tried before this, before you you came up with what we have here today. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and some of them probably fell so, flat on their face, huh? <laughs> Yeah, and and some of them work, but they were either very temporary or uh, mo- mo- mostly that was the, the flaw. I mean, I bought the products that you could buy on the shelf, and uh, none of those worked in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then so that some of the homemade remedies uh, we we did, um, some were effective, but for a short amount of time, and some weren't effective. Um, but yeah, I've tried I tried a lot of different things. Um, and it's 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 kind of a funny story how Coonstopper started. Um, I was I have some adult children in their twenties, 
and I was having a discussion with them about how much smarter their generation is and they have access to these social media that I'm not very familiar with and how they could use, you know, their their technology abilities over people like me that, that you know, aren't that savvy in the tech world and mm-hmm. things like that. And, and I was talking to them about product-driven type things and, and inventions and, you know, being an entrepreneur, I've pretty much owned my own business since I got out of school. And, uh, and in that conversation, I brought up one of the remedies, home remedies that I had for keeping coons off feeders. And that's really where the concept was, was born to actually, why not, you know, why not take that exact thing, but make it something that is marketable and make it something that would last a long time, be affordable and really solve a, a, a pretty big problem. If you ask me, um, I don't know how many solar panels wires I've had to replace and, you know, nothing worse than getting to the ranch after being gone for two or three weeks and finding out the, the corn feeder hadn't even been slinging corn because they chewed the battery wire in half or something like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, and that's you really know, how the concept was born. Part of this problem that we see with, with raccoons is it's self-inflicted, you know, Every ranch hunters in the, especially in Texas, and then you know, there's plenty of other states throughout the South that allow feeders. And um, but we did this to ourselves by and large by feeding. So we've got here's a buffet for these coons. They're fat and happy. <laughs> On the other side, agricultural practices have changed, um, and then you sure. factor in that really there's no fur trade anymore, especially for varmints like raccoons, um, and even like. Uh, uh, the hounds, coon hounds, that that sports on life support, sadly. So really, yeah. coons have no, they have it made in the shade. I mean, there's nothing going against them. It's easy. Life's great being a raccoon in 2020. Uh, so enter the coon stopper. Talk a little bit about the design. And I actually, uh, you sent me one. I've I've put it on uh, a traditional, you know, four uh, four legged feeder, a raised feeder. Um, installation was really easy and, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty, pretty self-explanatory. I haven't had any coons on the feeder, so, uh, I don't know, you know, I had told you I had cameras on there, but I don't know if they came and it just didn't pick them up, but, uh, I haven't lost any corn. That's for sure. Well, so it kind of evolved. It, it, we, we had about a year and a half in development. Again, I took, uh, some of the home remedies I'd done in the past and, and, tried to make that into something that would package well and, 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 and be affordable. Um, we knew, you know, by all the things we tried in the past, uh, we knew kind of, kind of how sharp points needed to be, how long they needed to be, the spacing of them, things of that nature. We'd kind of learned that using tax strips and things in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew that they, they, the way that they use their hands, they, they had, you know, they, 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 they grip a lot like we do. So, knew it couldn't just be a single strip it had to go around the leg a certain degree and so the first prototypes we made me and my wife and my uh i guess she was 10 at the time she's 11 now uh we made the first ones out of a out of a canvas wrap if you will and 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 about 600 thumbtacks and we really just wanted to test the theory if if we could get these things all the way around the leg um, or enough of the diameter of the leg would it would it prevent the, the coon from climbing up it so once we once we did and we we felt like we were on this a solution to a problem we started reaching out to manufacturers that could mass produce something uh similar and that was a very long painstaking 
thing process. I went through two different distributors. Ultimately, everybody took my money, talked about, uh, you know, how this could work, but I would ultimately need to end up in China making the, making the products, which I never China. wanted to do in the beginning. Yeah. China. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I didn't want to do that. So, uh, luckily, um, I was literally having the conversation. I have a buddy that has a, a, a metal shop down in Houston that I've known for a long time. And he's, he's a real, he, he's a manufacturer. So his brain works in, in, you know, making processes shorter and faster and mm -hmm. cheaper, if you will. So I basically took the concept that we had from to him and within minutes he drew up and stamped out a piece of metal that is how would see as the final product of Coon Shopper. Wow. And then it was a matter of trying to make them as short as possible, as small as possible, to make them as affordable as possible. Obviously we could put them, you know, we could make them five feet long and make them go all the way over the pole. It would be uh, a great product, but it would be so expensive that you know, it would price a lot of people out of the market and mm -hmm. it's almost cheaper to go buy a new feeder at that point. Yeah. So, uh, we, we, you know, we just kept playing with it. We, we had video cameras out all over the hill country, South Texas and East Texas and a buddy of mine in Ohio. And I really wanted to get some different perspectives. Uh, and, and so we just kept playing with the design and shrinking it down and shrinking it down. And, uh, till, till you see what you see now. And, yeah. uh, the spacing, the the everything about it, it's it it's, it looks very simple seeing the end result because uh, it's a pretty simple concept. Yeah. But it there's a whole lot of time and effort and uh, went in, went into getting it to exactly what it is now. Yeah, and I want to find out exactly how it works, uh, price point, and whether you've had any negative feedback regarding the Coon Stopper after the break. That segment of the presentation. Proudly brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. They've been taking care of me for, gosh, a long, long time. Damn near a decade. Maybe longer. Uh, look around the studio here. Everything in here essentially has been mounted by Josh and Becky. They do amazing work with quick turnaround time and they answer the phone when you call. You can find them at gr8mounts.com. We'll be right back with more from Chuck Wilson of Coomstopper on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I started drinking much too early It led me straight Hey guys, Cable here for Quiet Cat, the leader in e-bikes made specifically for overlanding, hunting, fishing, and remote access to the great outdoors. Quiet Cat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable, low-impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market. I own a Quiet Cat, and it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, Quiet Cat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e-bike is built to last. Visit QuietCat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Early one morning while making the rounds I took a shot of cocaine and I shot my woman down I went right home and I went to bed I 
Cocaine Blues, that's the man in black bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for being a part of today's presentation. As we've still got Chuck Wilson of Coon Stopper here with us talking about how to thwart those ever pesky trash pandas, those raccoons from stealing your corn or protein that uh, you've invested time and obviously money and energy into providing for your white-tailed deer. And uh, and I think there's a misconception that, oh, it's just so easy to go set up a feeder and fill it with corn. Uh, that's a that's a year-long commitment. For me, it's a two-hour drive one way just to fill up the feeders. So, so I have no time for folks who want to judge another hunter for the way that they hunt, especially in states where feeding, baiting is legal. It certainly is in Texas and throughout much of the South, even in places like uh, Ohio, you can still bait. Wisconsin, I'm not sure you can use corn, but you could throw out a pile of apples. What's the difference? And the answer is there isn't one. Hell, I've hunted in Illinois the last couple of years. The outfitter buys X number of bushels from the farmer that you're hunting on his property in a big ag field, and he tells the farmer not to cut a certain amount and then he puts a blind up there and you hunt over it and you can reach out and touch every corner of the recently manipulated crop with the muzzleloader any deer that's in there it's like a giant ass feeder so folks do it differently in different parts of the country and that doesn't make one way better than another i think we've just found what works regionally and that's what we uh we stick to and there's nothing wrong with that so anyway we're about to pick it back up with Chuck Wilson. But before we do so, this segment is brought to you by Stealth Cam. Whether you're in Illinois, Texas, or out west in the backcountry, Stealth Cam will let you know what's crossing by your game trail, your feeder, wherever you have that bad boy mounted, especially if you choose the WXA or WXV, that's uh, the wireless options for AT&T and Verizon. It'll ping your phone every time something steps in front of that camera. It's awesome. Check it out. You can find their entire lineup at stealthcam.com. All right. Well, Chuck, thanks for sticking around. Um, if I had to describe the Coon Stopper, I would say it's like a flat piece of metal that wraps around each feeder leg, forming like a cylinder with essentially spikes all over it. And it's probably between two. Each one's probably between two and three feet long. They are 28 inches long. Okay. Total. Yeah. Uh, we leave about an inch on each end for the uh, for the screws. Yeah. And so you got somewhere to to hold on to them while you're installing them. They are flexible enough to go on square and round. We tried to try to create something that would work on just about every feeder out there. Yeah. Now I've got thousands of photos from people all over the country in the last few months. Uh, there there are some feeders, you know, a small percentage, but there are some feeders that this isn't ideal for. Um, but, but for the majority of the feeders out there, I feel like this product, uh, will absolutely solve their, their, their coon issues. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as price point, um, what are we talking there? Well, what we did, obviously we worked backwards, right? We, 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 we set a price point yeah. of what we thought was a, was, was the right price point for the market. And we tried to create a product that would work for the price. I mean, it came that we we put 
uh, I have a buddy that has a breeder deer pen, so he has a very controlled environment, so he can monitor his feeders in a way where he put a certain amount of feed in the in the feeders, took the deer out of the pens, and we we estimate that uh, a set of coons at a at a particular feeder uh, will eat between three and five pounds in a night. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, we kind of worked up the math, and we we ultimately wanted these these to pay for themselves in less than 30 days. Um, so, you know, if you're buying protein, you're at anywhere from 12 to $17 a bag, depending on what kind of protein you feed, Yeah. you know, corn's anywhere from six fifty to $8, depending on where you buy it. So we kind of use that formula to determine, uh, we wanted them to be able to pay for themselves quickly. So that's, and then we just backed into our material and our labor and our shipping and our boxing and, and all those different things. Um, and, and, and compared to the other products on the market, there are some products out there that promote, uh, their coon deterrent varmint, you know, type, type products. Again, we've tried them all. We've not had one work yet. So, uh, that's, that's kind of how we came up with the price. Okay. Which in, it is what? So it, it comes with four, uh, in a box and some feeders only have three legs. I get that, but we went back and forth. We didn't want multiple boxes. So we sell four in a box for forty nine ninety nine. Okay, so very affordable. So less than fifty dollars. Uh, great price point there uh, to protect that investment because I mean it is very expensive, especially you know a lot of guys just feed during deer season. I don't because I want to hunt hogs and I also want the deer to be uh, putting on as much bone as possible. So you know get the protein going there uh, saves a lot of money and. I mean, for less than fifty dollars, I think it's a no-brainer. Um, let's see what else? Oh, I did want to ask you: Have you had any negative feedback? And uh, tell us how many you've shipped out. I know you've, you know, you haven't been around very long. So, out of the number of units sold, has there been any complaints? We we have had um, three complaints. Uh, we've shipped out. I haven't looked in over a week, but they're, we're, we're pretty we're, we're pretty fortunate. We're, we're, our online sales are, are increasing uh, daily. Um, just based on when I looked a week ago, we're probably right around the six seven hundred range as far as how many we've shipped out. Mm-hmm. And I'm real happy to say that's over about seven different states. Uh, so I'm real proud of that in the short amount of time we've been doing this. Um, out of the three, the three complaints came via social media, uh, okay. which was great. Uh, I was able to reach out to the to those three individuals and gave them my personal cell phone number. They reached out to me and sent me, I uh, asked them for some pictures, uh, a video if they had it, but pictures would work. And, you know, through some texting back and forth with some pictures, I was able to see uh, why, you know, they, they, they weren't having the best results. Uh, and it was three different scenarios. Um Again, like I mentioned earlier, I could have made the product five feet long and it would work in every scenario, but it would be three times the cost. Yeah. So we we made them 20. We got the the, the design down to 28 inches, which requires a very uh, strategic placing height of, of the of the product. Uh, we did a little YouTube channel on that or YouTube uh, installation video on that. We recommend in the instructions that come in the box to you know go check out that video. Because in that video, I can talk about every feeder is a little different. Mm-hmm. And depending on the height of the feeder, you know, we'll kind of uh, tell you, you know, I can tell you in that video where, where where the recommended height is for the for the coon stopper. 
So one of them was was height. Uh, the the installation was right on the ground, and a coon has about a 26 inch wingspan, a full grown coon. So obviously, if you put it all the way down on the ground, you you have two problems. One, the hogs will rub up against it. They 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 they, they actually love them. They, <laughs> they, they those sharp points scratch their their tough hides. Mm-hmm. You don't want them down on the ground. And uh, also, the coons can get above them easily. So if you got to raise them up off the ground. Another uh, scenario where they had some T-posts uh, driven around the legs, and the T-posts were above the coon stopper, so the coons just ran up the T-posts instead. Mm-hmm. So with that person, I just recommended uh, lowering those T-posts further down on the legs and then cutting the excess off, and that worked perfectly. Um, the the other one was uh, they it was a feeder that had horizontal-type bracing. It looked like a homemade-type feeder. And the option there was either add more coon stoppers to those horizontal bars, which would be purchasing another box, mm-hmm. um, or figure out a way to drive T-posts and, you know, eliminate those horizontal bars. One of those two, and they opted to buy more coon stoppers and put on the horizontal bars. So those are the three complaints out of, like I said, probably between six and 700 sold today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it wasn't negative feedback. It was just inquiring. It was, it was, you know, most people in the outdoors, you know they're they're looking for you know this to work, and uh, we feel like it works uh, if 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 installed properly on that particular unit. Uh, we we're we're getting great results. So we're real happy to help help them figure out uh, what's wrong. Well, a couple of things I want to say is, um, you know, these stand and fill feeders, and I have some of those too, have become convenient, easy to use. But in talking to all seasons, they're a longtime sponsor of the show. They still sell more traditional feeders than any other. So you know, those feeders are not going anywhere. And, and especially when you talk about the homemade 55 gallon drum feeders, you know, um, sure. You see those all over tons of deer leases and why wouldn't you? People want to save money. They make their own. I give them credit for having the ingenuity to want to do that. Um, but the other thing, no matter of the feeder, that's, that's, um, regardless of what model you have homemade all seasons, anything else, you have video from all over God's creation and the videos are awesome. I encourage people to go to the uh, the YouTube channel and check these out. We've posted a couple on our social things, but these coons want nothing to do with it. They they try to get up there. They maybe hang on for a second, and then they it's like it's hurting them. They're like, I, I get the hell out of here. And then the thing that is, and you've told me this is that they generally don't come back and try for a second round. That's 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 right. It's really amazing. I, I got pictures as recent as yesterday from a customer that had. I think there was 11 coons at his feeder, but they were there in the daylight. He had never seen coons there in the daytime. They were always in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And they learned that they they couldn't get up the legs anymore. So they started showing up when the feeder goes off before the deer and the, ho- the, the hogs ate the mm-hmm. corn so they can get their share. <laughs> they are smart. <laughs> so they're very smart, which which actually helps our product. I mean, the, the, they are that smart. Yeah. Uh, the, we had the toughest coon. I guess I, I, out there, uh, which I was real happy for. Um, he, I, I, he's in a lot of the videos I've posted on social media. He has one eye and he's a big old coon. And, and he literally, there was a protein and a corn feeder side by side in the same, in the same video, which, which equals eight legs, right? Yeah. And he tried at least twice on all eight legs. And one time he got up there pretty far. I mean, his back legs were still below the, the product and his front legs were on it. And he had all of his weight on his bottom legs. And he, and you can see, it almost like he looked at the camera 
<laughs> you know, and, and just, he's like, what the heck, you know? And, uh, but he, I was real happy to have a coon that determined. Um, he ultimately ended up being able to reach up and grab the bottom of the protein tube itself, mm-hmm. uh, which taught me a valuable lesson. Uh, protein tubes, most are, uh, adjustable. Um, you can lower them real down low if you want fawns eating out of it or what have you, or you can raise it up. We raised that tube about inch and a half, and, and then he wasn't able to reach. He was literally he jumped enough and he grabbed that bottom of that tube with his front two feet. Hmm. So uh, we 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 set you know, over and over and over and over, and then we went back out there and raised that tube up about an inch and a half. Hmm. And uh, and that that I've got videos of him standing on his back feet trying to grab it, but he just wasn't quite tall enough. And the deer can still eat out of it. I mean, basically, fawns are drinking their mama's milk, you know, that God gave them anyway. They're they're not really eating out of protein. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that uh, anyway, it's it's been it's been real real challenging and very rewarding and and very fun uh, getting to, getting to know these little critters uh, and how they operate. Oh, they are very intelligent. I'll tell you this though. What you said about him looking at the camera and saying, what the heck, you know, it reminded me of um, something my junior high baseball coach used to say all the time. And he would say, there's no free lunch, meaning you got to bust your ass, right? <laughs> and I think these coons have learned, hey, the uh, the free lunch buffet is over if there's a coon stopper. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So great well, product. Well, again, I think yeah. the, the, the fact they're so smart helps them from not getting hurt. You know, you look at this product, aggressive looking. Um, it's basically just a sharp point. They touch it, they leave. Uh, they, they're not, it's not like it's slicing them open or, or, you know, you know, tearing them up and, 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 and things like that. Yeah. No, I've bumped into they, it. and was like, ow, that hurt, but it's not like it cut me open, you know? Right. So, so that, that part of it is, uh, is, is rewarding also. Like I said, I didn't want a product that was going to maim them. Right. cut them open or things yeah exactly mm-hmm. this this was just to detour them and and the fact that they're so intelligent uh help helps with that yeah yeah so where can folks uh order one chuck or three or four uh, how alamo, many feeders they have yeah alamo outdoor world.com um we have have them there on the website we do uh update the website with new dealers we're we've got about 30 dealers in texas uh, scattered out around the hill country in South Texas. We have a list of our dealers on our website. If you want to go to a local store uh, and pick them up that way, we love supporting our local local businesses. Very important, uh, they especially all, all, right now. Yeah, Absolutely. And all those guys have a display model out where you can actually touch it and, and look at it, um, it You know, without having to open a box. So that's kind of fun. Perfect. And, and once again, the website is alamooutdoorworld.com. Uh, Chuck, certainly appreciate your time today, man, and look forward to uh, to going access deer hunting with you sometime in the near future. Thank you. Y'all have a blessed day. All right. There he goes. Chuck Wilson of Coonstopper and Alamo Outdoor World. You can find all of their social outlets at alamooutdoorworld.com. Pick up the Coonstopper there. Uh, thanks to both of our guests today as we are flat out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Uh, Chuck Wilson and Cody McLaughlin of the New Jersey Outdoor Alliance. We will do it again, same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. That's the difference between whiskey and you. And one's a devil, and one keeps trying.